Hey there. I am very excited to be joined today by Craig Hewitt. Craig is the founder and CEO of Castos, which is a company that basically does everything to help you grow your podcast and connect with your community. Craig's former company was called Podcast Motor, and Craig podcasts over at Rogue Startups, a show that he co-hosts with my friend and fellow pie enthusiast, Dave Rodenbaugh. So in today's conversation, Craig and I talk about what it's been like for he and his family to live abroad in France for the past five years, particularly what it's felt like as the pandemic has changed community life and friendship around the world. Craig and I also talk about the exciting growth of his company, Castos, and the ways that people are creatively using podcasts to increase the strength of connections, given the new isolation and challenges that companies have in staying in touch with their employees due to the need to work from home. Craig is a pretty thoughtful guy who's committed both to his own personal growth and to the thoughtful growth and expansion of his company. So if you are curious to learn more about his work, check him out on Twitter at Craig Hewitt. Check out his company, Castos, and his podcast, Rogue Startups. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means. Sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. Well, uh, how's Florida treating you? Uh, it's good. It's good. Yeah, we got here for the like three weeks of actual really great weather that they have all year. So it's like 80 degrees and sunny right now. So it's like... And not like horribly oppressively humid. Right, right. Yeah. So we're very happy to be here right now and got, got my COVID vaccine, my first one last Sunday and get my next one in a couple of weeks before we go back to France. So yeah, timed all that pretty well. Fantastic. What's it been like to go through this pandemic experience in France? I mean, you've been living in France for several years now. So you've experienced it in normal times. And then of course, during this disruption. I mean, I think it's easy to look at it and say like the grass is greener on the other side. Right. And for a while, like we were, I guess we were the green grass at the beginning because like France really did well with things in terms of like, kind of like the social policies, I guess, around it at the beginning where like everyone wears a masks and everybody feels like it's their responsibility to take care of these things. And so like that part of it, I think it's been really nice that everybody's on the same page and like, hey, we're in this boat together. But now, like you see the U.S. rolling out, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands or millions of vaccines a day. And France is at this point, you know, the U.S. is anybody who wants a vaccine can get it. And in France today, at least it's 55 and up still. So like, I mean, they're literally six months behind, I think, at this point, like the trajectory of kind of back to normal is is widening every day to where like we're here in the US because they announced like the third national lockdown or confinement to where like you can't leave a more than a 10 kilometer radius away from your house. You have to have this piece of paper that says, hey, I'm leaving for this valid reason of which there are like three good reasons why you can leave your house. Schools canceled, all this stuff. 
So it's just like really prohibitive. And at this point, right, like nobody can deal with it. Nobody wants that in their life anymore. And so we were like, we just got to get out of here to have some freedom and here in Florida, like it's like coronavirus doesn't exist. It's free as it can be in Florida. <laughs> Which is really like, I mean, it's it's like a big difference, right? It's like coming from lots of rules and lots of structure to basically nothing. It's been it's been really nice, even though I know that, you know, here is not correct either entirely. But well, what an interesting contrast, right? To to be in France where you see people taking a lot of, I don't know, personal and I guess community responsibility for managing behavior to try to prevent the spread of the virus. But then maybe the government being a little bit slower at rolling out a very systemic approach to vaccines. And then the US, you see the opposite. People are like, sort of screw everybody else. I'm going to do what I want. But uh, hey, we get those vaccines there efficiently. Yeah, I mean, we say like part of the great thing about Europe in general and France is like they hold on to the traditions of like how things have been done. And that's what makes the culture so cool. And that's the problem with like adapting to, you know, modern technology and startups and, and you know, rolling out coronavirus vaccines and veterinary clinics and stuff like that, like we do here. Like the concept of getting your COVID shot at the equivalent of Walmart would just absolutely never happen, you know, and that's that's why they just are slower to roll this out. Because it needs to, to happen in a doctor's office. Is that sort of the... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's still doctors are the only people that are given the vaccine as far as I know. And so it's just like an example of like the cultural difference of of something like this or change in general. How, how flexible one can be. Mm -hmm. Yep. I got my vaccine at the Mall of America, <laughs> like literally like upstairs from L.L. Bean. I was like, this is very bizarre. Yeah, I, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. So, I mean, you've been growing Castos and it's been growing fast and heartily from what I can tell. And you've done that while living abroad. What have been some of the sort of extra challenges you faced as you're, you're conducting startup business at startup speed in a country that is in some ways still very traditional? Yeah, I think that the, like the obvious one is is like the time zone, right? So kind of like wherever you live, if it's not in the United States or North America, you're going to have a, a time disconnect with where the vast majority of your customers are, for, for us at least. Like most of our customers, 70% probably are in North America. And so just things like, you know, webinars and podcast recordings and stuff like that are just like, I work in the evenings a few days a week. And so to a fair extent, I kind of call that like the remote tax, right? It's like I get to live in a really cool place. Our kids go to an amazing school and have this really cool way of like growing up. And as a result, you know, I sacrifice a little bit of, of kind of my personal time and, and my schedule to accommodate the work stuff that I have to do. The other side of that is that it's in some ways a benefit that like all morning I am able to get like the really deep work that I need done, done because nobody else on our team is up, right? We have two developers, two and a half developers that are in Europe, kind of European time zones with me. And, you know, they're very self-sufficient. So we chat a little bit, but I'm just there to, to kind of do the things I need to do in the mornings before the team here is up. And then in the afternoons in, the, in Europe and kind of mornings here, we have a lot of our calls. So it's kind of formed a lot of our communication and, and workflow structure for, for me and, and kind of as a result for the team. So that's different and, and in some ways good and maybe in some ways bad. And I think the challenging part is this like feeling of disconnection from everyone else basically that I know that does this. Like I have some friends in Europe that do startups and are kind of in the same circles and we chat a fair amount. But the vast majority of, of people I know that do this are, are in the States. And so just, again, the time zone and the kind of the, the sense of disconnectedness is pretty real. And like definitely none of my 
my non kind of micro comfy friends have any idea what, you know, what we do. And so that's just, I don't know. I think COVID makes that worse because you're already disconnected and then you're more disconnected to where like, yeah, this past year has been challenging for everybody, but I, you know, selfishly, I feel like it's been a little worse for us in that respect. Yeah. There's a couple of different layers of isolation because you are, you know, isolated from some of your peers and your startup crew. You're in a different country, different time zone, different situation. And then I, I also have to imagine that there's some some cultural difference in being an American family raising kiddos um, in France. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we have we have other kind of expat friends, you know, where we live, but, you know, we've been responsible with, you know, not seeing a lot of them for a long time. And just in the last month, really started seeing some more of our friends more often that it's not more appropriate to do that now, but we're all just tired of it and said, like, you know, I don't care if you're in my bubble or not, we're getting together for a barbecue. And I think that's really necessary. And, and I think maybe we all kind of have over-adjusted to being more safe than we need to be in that respect. I mean, we're all young. I'm only 40, so I'm still relatively young. And like, if I got COVID, like chances of me really, really, really getting sick is is not super high. So I think that we all just got scared about this. And so it's like, we have like these self-limiting beliefs, I think, about what we can and can't do. You get scared. And then you also have this burden of sort of social responsibility. Like even with our family going to California, I felt like I wanted to explain like, Rob drove. I flew with the kids, but we double masked, you know, like we were really careful. I promise we're being responsible more for the kind of the social media version of the story where you, you want to communicate that you are, you're with everybody. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're doing your part to keep people safe. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely that COVID has amplified a lot of these differences, but even like our, most all of our kind of expat friends there work for big companies. You know, we live like 30 miles outside of Geneva and almost all of the people that we know, you know, work in Geneva just because it's, you know, they, they go and make a huge salary working there, but live in France where it's relatively cheap. And so most of most of my friends have, you know, kind of corporate jobs. So so even of our expat, you know, English speaking friends and stuff, it's definitely they're not in the same kind of boat that we are. So, yeah, it's isolating is is a fair term, I think, in that respect. But also it strikes me maybe maybe on the other hand that you are in a business that is, you know, I'm guessing doing quite well in the context of this isolation because so many people are interested now in sparking connection and conversation via podcasting. I mean, it used to be that like having a podcast was sort of this exceptional, oh, you're really interesting of a podcast. And now I feel like everyone I know has a podcast, not special anymore. Yeah. I mean, especially during the, like, as the pandemic set in, you know, a year ago, business got really, really good for us. And fortunately continued like that kind of change in trajectory through the summer of last year and and all up until now. And so like, I felt really guilty about it that like, oh, the world, especially then, like the world is honestly falling apart and none of us have any idea where this is going. And for us, like, it was gangbusters. And so like, I felt pretty guilty about that. And at the same time, kind of had to admit like, hey, we have a solution that people need to create this connection. And we use the term connection, like internally and externally a lot now, like to create these connections with people that they can't have connections with otherwise. And so like, I honestly feel really, really good that we are in the right place to provide this thing for people that that really need it, need it on multiple levels and are, are leaning into that now, you know, because it's not changing, I don't think, right? Like you, you hear Google's calling everybody back into the office September or whatever. And like, I see that, but, but I honestly still think that the things that we all have learned as a result of the last year will continue in the future. And, and to some extent that means podcasting 
and just the way that we that we talk to people or interact with people. I appreciate you acknowledging too that that complicated sense of feeling around doing well when so many people are not doing well. And, you know, in my consulting work, I work with a lot of companies who mostly are tech-based startups and have done really well because they are offering something that people need when they can't connect in person. And it's it's certainly a complicated thing. Like what have your conversations been like with other business owners or with friends and family when you're sort of explaining, hey, Castos is thriving. We're, we're solving a problem that people have, like really have right now. Yeah, I think we're fortunate that I know of very few people that have been really negatively impacted by this, you know, a few, but for the most part, like most of my friends in like the kind of, you know, online world have been kind of positively or neutral on COVID from a business perspective. E-commerce is up big, all these communication tools are up big, podcasting in general is up, but it's really like my offline friends, you know, like our, our kind of French people in our in our community like several of them have just not worked in a year and it is i don't say embarrassing is not the right word but but that's like the closest word i can come up with is like hey you know how's business and i say it's great you know and then i say i'm really sorry like that you know you're you know have a friend who's like an agent for for actors to come to do local events it's like right so that's not happening <laughs> They're not doing anything. There's just yeah. nothing you can say. You know, it's like, hey, I'm glad work is going well. I'm sorry it's not going well for you. And, you know, I hope we can still be friends. I, yeah, there's just nothing to say, I don't think. It really does, I think, stretch us into these new conversations in friendship. Because generally speaking, we're friends with people who are in sort of some have similar grouping variables, right? Are in a similar field, have similar interests, similar levels of success. We make friends with people at school and at work and these places where comparable sort of storylines play out. And I think friendship is getting sort of shifted and challenged where like you're experiencing people in your neighborhood, people that you, you know, had a lot in common with a couple of years ago, that's changing. And how do you adjust friendship when someone's doing really well financially and someone is, you know, really hurting? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer, I guess. But I mean, I'm not asking you to answer it. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, we, I, I think the nice thing is we maybe the nice part of kind of this disconnect that we have between like work life and personal life with our with our friends is that we don't talk a lot about work. So have these other things that we have in common and our kids and things and sports and that, that we all, you know, have to connect about that are still the same, even though, you know, this other part of our lives is really different. I was thinking that I first met you maybe at MicroConf in Prague, like five years ago. No, no it is Barcelona, maybe. Okay. I think I remember seeing you on an escalator after uh, shopping for family or something. And your wife was there with you. She was. Yep. She was. Okay. Yep. So, um, you know, a lot has transpired since then that at that time, your business was podcast motor, right? Mm -hmm. And now you've, um, shifted into Castos and are doing all kinds of different things, offering much more services. And I know you've been working really hard. What's the end game here? Are you, uh, planning to take a rest anytime soon or? Yeah, it's tough. I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I think this is, I'm sure you talk a lot about this on the show and, and like with your clients is like this concept of like enough, you know, like, is it ever enough? Are you ever getting quote there, right? Like the arrival fallacy. I think that I've been in kind of online business for like six years and like five, almost five years full-time, four with Castos. 
very fortunate that like it really comfortably like provides for what we need for our family. And, and so I think like once you get past that milestone that you're able to kind of decide some more things about like, okay, we're going to really like, you know, put the pedal to the metal and try to grow this as fast as we can, or this is kind of a lifestyle business or, or, you know, maybe there's something in between. I think that in between is probably harder to harder to do, but you know, for us, I think we've made the decision that podcasting space is so interesting and there's so much going on in it that we need to dedicate as many resources as we can to the business in the near term because just so much is changing, you know, like we see in the industry newsletter every week, you know, this company buys that company or that company merges with this one. And it's like, gosh, we just want to participate in that on either side, honestly, as much as we can, just because there's so much going on. We want to be as much of like a player in the market as we can. It's why we joined Tiny Seed. It's why, you know, we've we've done some other things to add resources to the company that like, yeah, this will probably be kind of all I do for, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Yeah. So even though the bills are paid, so to speak, there's not really that sense of wanting to let your foot off the pedal when there's so much opportunity and so much that can be done to build on all of the work that you've put in these last years. Yeah. And it's, it, it's daunting. And I think it's probably unhealthy to some extent, you know, like comparing yourself to the competition and, and other people kind of, you know, in the space is like at a point, super unhealthy. And so I've had to kind of check myself there a few times to say like, we are different than everybody else. And like what we do needs to be compared to what we did in the past, maybe. And that's it, not compared to some other company that's out there that's, you know, gone public and all this kind of crazy stuff. Like that's just not, I don't mean, maybe that will be us one day, but I, I kind of don't think so. And so like right now kind of say, these are the goals we have for the next few years. Let's work towards those. Let's try to be as sane as we can while also knowing that like we're in this special place of a market that's really doing a lot and we want to participate in as much as possible. What are your strategies for being sane in the midst of a, of a blossoming market? And I'm sure there are lots of opportunities in any given day for how you could spend your time. So, yeah, I mean, that's... I'm assuming sanity, by the way. I'm just giving you that credit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how to achieve that is the big one, you know, like, like, I think just really practically, like, obviously try to like exercise a few times a week, at least. I always say that like the dog is maybe like my best therapy tool. Like the dog gets a walk anytime I'm having a really bad day. He has like several walks. But honestly, like, I think that might be my best coping mechanism is just like giving up, right? Is like, if you're just beating your head against the wall for hours and hours and hours, you're just like, I just stop and say, this is just like, it's not happening today. This thing can wait till tomorrow. I'm going to go do these other 800 things that I have to do is just like, if it's, if I'm really in the flow and it's happening, I'll, I'll, you know, bang out this really hard work. And if it's not, or if I'm really struggling with stuff, I just switch to something else. And because of that, maybe I don't get some of the deep work that I really need to get done, done. But I'm also kind of fortunate that I'm in the the company is in the kind of position it is to where we have, you know, we're 12 people now. So like we have a lot of super talented people, much better than I am at a lot of things that are able to do a lot of that deep work. So to some extent, like a lot of my focus is just on like the team and how we work and how we communicate and, and are working together. And that's not as stressful in the same way as like individual contributor stuff, I think. Yeah. I love that you've been able to practice that ability to pause, to just get up, walk the dog, change the scene, 
change the conversation that's happening in your head. I think a lot of people really struggle with that and stay too long in the chair, figuratively beating their head against their desk when they're frustrated and not really moving forward. It's a great skill to have. What are the other things that you're learning right now about yourself as you kind of move into this phase of your business? I think one thing that I and a lot of people that kind of get into this world feel is that like we can just do anything, right? Like not that we're a Superman or anything, but like the rules don't apply to us, right? That like, sure, we can just go start a business. Sure, we can move to Europe. Sure, we can do all this kind of stuff. And I'll say like getting back to like the cultural differences of like living in another country is like that is a huge benefit, right? Like uh, like the American like I can do whatever I want, you know, kind of mindset. We can just make this happen, like build the parachute on the way down is super helpful. Like we came here, we decided on a Thursday afternoon that we were coming to the United States for a month on Saturday morning and COVID tests and tickets and someone to watch the two cats and the dog and all that, like in 24 hours. And like, that was crazy. And I, we shouldn't do it. It was bad for my life <laughs> expectancy, but like, <laughs> but it didn't occur to you to not do it. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but also like, I think that's kind of a unique thing to people like us, you know? And so while that's super healthy to say like, well, just of course, you know, we can kind of take podcast motor and start a hosting platform and then merge them later and join tiny seed and look at raising money and all this kind of stuff. That's all really healthy. And I think that it's also really destructive because all those ideas actually get you away from like the thing that got you here. Like it's the shiny, it's not the shiny object necessarily because I'm not like going and starting a new business, but, but it's always trying to pull me in a bunch of different directions. And even people on the team try to pull us in different directions. And, and that is, that is a really big challenge because you want to have this culture of people contributing and people challenging, like in a good way you as the leader and and having influence on the company's direction, but you also being able to say no to them and and them come back tomorrow with more ideas. With a different idea and not get discouraged or dissuaded, but... Yep. And that is a really difficult needle to thread. I feel like we do a good job of it. I personally am like a very open, I try to be a very open person and want to have those kind of discussions. I also am the person that if somebody shot me down, a few times I would just say, well, no, okay, we're done. <laughs> you know, I'm done giving you my good ideas. Yeah. And so like I solicit input and feedback from everybody on the team a lot, maybe too much, but it's super important to me for us to have a diverse set of influences on the company. You know, I'm a single founder. So I think that's part of it is like, I am a white male from the United States and like, that is not the world, you know? So like, we need a bunch of different angles on this topic that we're trying to address to have a healthy company and a healthy perspective and, and meet a diverse set of audience needs. And so that's just been like something that's really important to us and something that I've worked a lot at, like personally and from how we work and how we communicate, but is just a really challenging, like interpersonal thing, I think. Yeah, it's a balance being that clear direction giver, moving the team forward in a way that is cohesive and collaborative, but also wanting to sort of spark the best of the entrepreneurial spirit, which is that like, hey, anything's possible. And what if we dot, dot, dot? Yeah. And I think that I think that like where we've landed is 
like ultimately it comes back to me to say yes and no to those things to realize like, Hey, whoa, this is a really great opportunity. We should do this. And like an example is we just acquired a podcast. So we purchased a podcast. We now are like, you know, Castos original productions is going to be like an umbrella of, of like our business that we're going pretty intense on. So we acquired this podcast. We're starting another one. That's going to be kind of for mass market, not in the kind of podcasting, make money online niche. And this, neither of these were my idea. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah. And it's, and it's cool and it's super scary because like you want other people to have like those awesome ideas and, and for them to come to fruition for the company. But you got to kind of let go of your belief that, you know, you are the company and stuff. So you're a media company now. I guess. Yeah, I guess we always have been, right? But, <laughs> in addition. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But it's cool to see the team coming in with some of these really great ideas and changing how we do things. And a lot of them are really fantastic and things that I would never come up with. So that's cool to see. And I love that you're still able to keep everyone marching generally in the same direction. It's the challenge. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Well, what is a, what does a near future look like for you? Acquiring more podcasts? How are you, how are you growing and changing the company? Yeah. So, I mean, I think from like a company perspective, somewhere that we're really focused on is like this concept of private podcasting. So as opposed to this show, kind of, you know, marketing branding tool for, for kind of you and your brands, you want everyone to listen, a private podcast, you know, would be like if you had a membership site or you had a course or you had a something like that, you know, a lot of people are coming to cast us now to tie that in to their course or their membership site or their community. And then a lot of companies are are coming to us and saying, Hey, COVID, remote, all this, we need a better way to engage with our employees. We want to use podcasting as a modality to communicate with our team. And so we're doing a lot in terms of like sales and marketing, a lot in terms of product to to evolve that side of, of the platform. And I mean, it's super exciting. It's super exciting to see like the way that people use it and the types of entities that are coming to us, like names that you all recognize every day are coming and knocking on our door. And that's super cool. So, I mean, it's just really different from a kind of focus perspective. And so that's another kind of challenge is like we have this space of kind of hobbyist podcasters that want to make conventional podcasts. And then we have this opportunity over here with like big companies to to help them make podcasts. And so how to navigate that duality of focus. To serve all of those customers with a level of quality. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, how about personally? Do you think uh, your time in Florida will be soon a return to France? And is that where you're planning to stay for a while? Ah, yeah, that's the question. Um, <laughs> tell me your life plans, Craig. Tell me your life plans right now. What It's probably changed since yesterday. But no, I mean, you know, we we are kind of we are definitely going back like all of our stuff and our pets and stuff are in France. So, so we're definitely going back, but I don't, I don't know that we'll live there forever. You know, there's, there's a lot to living in the U S that, that is really great. Even with all the craziness that's been happening here in the last few years, it is where we're from, right? It is, you know, kind of who we are, even though we've lived in France for almost five years, it is even our kids. Like I think they're still, you know, more American than they are French. And so we look at it as like a, from a, much longer term perspective as like living abroad, you're always kind of an outsider. And like, can we take that for the next 20 years? It's just like this baseline stress that like 
when the phone rings, your mind has to switch to doing this other thing. And you go to the grocery store and they don't have a thing. You have to ask somebody about it. And, you know, all those all those things that are just not to mention being a half a day away from all of our family and they're getting older and, you know, all these all these things. So I don't think we'll live in France the rest of our lives. I am super, super happy that we have lived there as long as we have. And our kids have had the opportunity to you know, learn another language as native speakers, and they'll take that with them for the rest of their lives. My wife and I will as well, like we, we do pretty well, but I honestly don't know. I don't know the specifics of what that means beyond that we probably won't live there forever. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've had a newer appreciation for now that I'm approaching my mid forties is the sense that there are just these seasons of our lives, right? When our kids were little, we had you know, our main house in central California and then a little beach apartment. And we got over there all the time. And now our kids are getting older. You know, our oldest is 14, 15 in July. And I think the the ability to be in one location and to sort of be here on the weekends and just have life that's based in one place feels really important for probably the next like five years of our lives. And then as soon as the kids are gone, you can bet, like, I'm in the road. <laughs> Out of here. Yeah. And I'm okay with those seasons, right? You adjust and you shift in family life, just like you do in entrepreneurial life. As the the opportunities and the conditions change around you, you respond. Yeah, I think that for us, like, our kids have a really good sense of what home is right now. And as much as we travel and as many places as they've seen, they're actually big homebodies maybe because we've traveled so much. And so wanting to say, like, if we make a move, like, that's the new home and we're going to be there until they go to college because we want them to know where home is. And, and so we might only have two seasons to to our lives with them in the house. And then we'll have the third one or maybe we're on the second one. Or anyways, yeah, I mean, I think that that is just super important. Like, you know, if you have kids, I think them being super comfortable and stable with what home life is like is for us like super important. And so that's just, that's honestly like the biggest consideration because Amanda and I would just like live in a suitcase, right? And it's totally cool. I can work anywhere, but the kids just really need a place to come home to every day. Absolutely. And, you know, our they, they need their Legos and their art supplies and, you know, not to make it about the material possessions, but those things matter a lot to the kids in a, in a way that they don't, they don't really matter to me, you know, like you, I could be fine with a laptop and a, a backpack in most cases. Yeah. Well, I love that you're honoring all that's coming to you, both as your kids grow and change and as the the market presents these great opportunities for you and for Castos to grow and change. So it's always good to chat with you and, and sort of understand what you're doing, what you're learning and where you are. Awesome. It was good to chat, Sherry. Thanks for, for having me on. It was, it was great to talk through all this. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.